When my son started preschool, he went to a school called the Clarendon School. The Clarendon School. It has a ring to it for a preschool, the Clarendon School. I, you know, I, when I hear that name, I think, well, that ought to be red brick and white collars. Uh, pretty auspicious, though, is a storefront operation. So, you know, it wasn't quite what the name might project. But the school did have an image, and part of it was in the name, and part of it was in the students, because if you went to the Clarendon School, you were a Clarendon boy, or you were a Clarendon girl. And what that meant specifically is it's, it's the image that you projected, it's the way that you carried yourself, and particularly it was the uniform that you wore. And so you had all the preschoolers, and when they went to preschool, they had to wear white and blue. They wore white polo shirts and then blue trousers or blue shorts with a blue skirt. And then the boys, the little boys had to wear black shoes, and the little girls had to wear saddle shoes. Y'all, that's kind of dating me, I know. But, you know, it was kind of, but, you know, they had to wear, they had a, a uniform. And that was part of being a Clarendon boy, a Clarendon girl, the Clarendon image. And then the memo came home uh, one week that on this particular Friday, it was going to be dress yourself day. Let your student dress themselves as an opportunity for self-expression. Now, you know, when my wife and I read this, the memo, we read it literally. We didn't read between the lines. Between the lines, what that meant was dress your son or daughter up in something else cute, but not blue and white. You know, just kind of, you know, they've got other cute clothes. Dress them up in that. Send them to school. Well, we, we took it literally. We let our preschooler go into his closet. <laughs> you know, I'll I tell you, when you let your preschooler go into the closet and, you know, what are you going to wear to school? Dress yourself day. Uh, man, you, it's amazing what comes out of the closet. You know, and so he comes out of the closet, he's got on an orange shirt, bright orange shirt, and these green shorts, electric green shorts, and he loved to wear these tiger house shoes. I just wore those things out. So he comes out of the closet, you know, orange and green and tiger house shoes, and off we go to school. And we found out that, you know, it really, you know, <laughs> it was dress your kid day, that's kind of what it was. But, you know, you, you get the point. Uh, kind of his inner image and his Clarendon image, uh, they weren't quite the same image, you know? Shakespeare put it like this, you know? Clothes make the man. Clothes make the woman. Clothes make the kid, you know? And fashion designers have known that for years. That clothes make the image. And here's what I want you to do, just for a moment, kind of, kind of play uh, along with me a little bit here, is, is I'll say the phrase and you form the picture. I'll say the fashion phrase and you form the picture in your mind. Cool and casual. Got the picture? Got the fashion? Powerful and put together. Picture? Got the fashion? Sleek and chic. Tommy Hilfiger. Michael Kors. Bill Blass. Ann Taylor. 
I probably didn't mention your favorite one. You know, I don't know, Marco Polo. I don't know. <laughs> you know, well, yeah, that's a joke, guys. <laughs> All right, no, but but you you get the picture. You know what happens is that with fashion, there's an image. Each with each one of those, there is an image. There's an image that that designer is trying to create, and, and that concept goes back millennium. It goes back even to Jesus' time, because Jesus waged right into the middle of it with this question, when he asked the question, is not the body more than clothing? I mean, the question basically comes down to, aren't we more than what we wear? Isn't our image more than our attire? And so he brings forward the question, and then he brings forward this illustration. He says, he says, I want you to think, he says to his audience as he's preaching up there on the Sermon on the Mount, he says, I want you to think of King Solomon. And by this point in time, King Solomon's been dead about a thousand years, let you know. Not quite a thousand, but, but a long time King Solomon's been dead. But King Solomon, he had an image. Just to give you a sense of him, his image, he built the biggest temple that the Israelites had, had ever seen in their worship. So he had that image. He had the image of being the wisest man in the Bible. That's an image to live up to. He had an image of having a thousand wives. That's really an image to live up to. You know, so there's a guy that has an image. And so Jesus says, you know, think about King Solomon. When he goes into his closet in the morning, he's, you know, he's got something to worry about here. He's got an image to project. And so he goes into his closet and he says, oh, what am I going to wear today? Because, you know, I've got to kind of protect my image and, and bring that forward. Doesn't quite say that in the Bible, but I think that's kind of what's being said in there. So, you know, so there's the king. And what the king is trying to do is create his image. And then Jesus says, I want you to think about Solomon. And then he's there on this hillside. So he picture the hillside. He says, he, he points out just a hillside flower. The Bible calls the lilies of the field. And you can picture that in your mind. It's kind of its simplicity, its elegance, it's beautiful. He picks out the flower. And he says, I want you to look at that flower. With Solomon and all his glory, as beautiful as that flower. He says, do you think that that flower gets up in the morning and goes into his closet and worries about, you know, what, you know, what am I going to put on today to look as good as I'm looking right now? He says, do you think that that's what the flower is doing? You know, obviously not. What's happening with the flower? It's not living to create an image. It's living into its created image. There's a big difference in that. Not living to create an image, but living into its created image. And the truth that Jesus is trying to bring forward, I think, through, this, through the particular question he's asking and the illustration that he's giving to the people is he wants the people to know. He wants all his listeners to know. I think he would want us to know that there is a beauty inside each and every one of us. That is the truth of the scriptures going back to Genesis 1. When you look at the first chapter of Genesis, in the beginning of all things, as God is creating everything, and as God creates human beings, as God creates you and me, chapter 1, verse 26, it says this, God says, let us create humankind in our image and after our likeness. 
And what that verse means is that inside of you and inside of me, inside of each of us and inside of all people, there is a beautiful image of God inside of every person. And so the invitation for living is to begin to live into that image so that that beauty begins to shine through all of our lives. And the Apostle Paul picks up on that in his text today. And he says, here's what you need to do. He says, when you think about how we clothe ourselves, he says, clothe yourselves in your new self, in your true self, which is being renewed after the image of your creator. So he's picking up on Genesis 1. He says, live into that. And if you wonder, well, exactly what does that mean? Then he goes to spell it out really clearly. He says, what that means Clothe yourself in compassion and in kindness and in humility and in meekness and in patience and in forgiveness and above all in love. Clothe yourself in compassion. Have a heart for the people around us, for the people around you who are struggling and who are suffering. Because I tell you, when you begin to look and you look closely, the world is full of folks who need compassion. And we're all one of them. (laughs) It's part of what it means to be a human being. People need compassion. The apostle says, have a heart for other people. And not only have a heart for other people, give a hand to other people, the kindness reach out and when you have that heart and you, you know, you want to help them up and you want to help them up into hope. Compassion and kindness. He says, do it with humility, not because we're better than other people, not because we're stronger, not because, you know, we're special and, you know, they are not special, but because we know, he says, that we're all brothers and sisters because that's what meekness realizes. That we're all alike. That we're all brothers and sisters. And there but for the grace of God go you or me, you know. And so we do, we offer the compassion, we offer the kindness with humility and meekness. And we do it with patience because we all know that when you start working with people, it just gets messy. I mean, that's just how it is. When you begin to love people, you wish it was clean and straightforward, but it's always kind of convoluted and messy. But that's just how it is. And God loves us in that. We're invited to love others in that. He says, above all, put on love. And that's because above all, God is love. That's the scriptural definition of God, that God is love. And so when we talk about putting on the image of our creator, it is about living in love. And so the apostle invites us to begin to understand where our true beauty lies. Your true beauty, my true beauty, and the way that we can clothe ourselves in that and begin to live into that. Now, as I preach the message this morning, I am not, this is not a fashion bashing message, so don't take it at that level. I like nice clothes. I've got nice clothes in my closet. I'm all all for it, you know. Uh, I encourage my wife to buy nice clothes and all kinds of good things, you know. So this is, uh, (laughs) uh, it's kind of good stuff, you know. This is not about, uh, you know, going against fashion. It's not about that, but it is about realizing where our true beauty lies. 
where our true glory lies, where our true strength lies. And there's a freedom in that. There's a real freedom in knowing that as people, it's not about not creating this image, about living into our created image. And so in that freedom, I'm going to invite us to experiment in the essentials. And we did this last week. In fact, throughout the series, we're going to, every week we're going to experiment in an essential. And last week, you, you let me come into your cupboard, and, and I appreciate that. We kind of looked what was on your shelves, and, and that, was, that was pretty neat for me. I hope it was good for you. Today, I want to come into your closet. Now, if you're like me, I don't like people coming into my closet. Um, but, hey, that's part of what we know today. I'm going to uh, ask you, to, let's go together into your closet. And here's the question today. As we go into your closet and we start looking around, is there anything in your closet you haven't worn in a year? Yep. <laughs> Just groan in the back. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's right. I, you know, I'm a little guilty. I'm not guilty. I'm just part of it. Look at those things you haven't worn in a year. And as you sort through them, I want you to begin to think, you know, those, those clothes that you haven't worn in a year, and if you haven't worn them in a year, you're probably not going to wear them next year either, you know. Those clothes that you haven't worn, somebody else could be wearing. And there is a ministry called Goodwill. Goodwill is in the area, and what Goodwill does is it receives gently used clothes, and what it does is it kind of it kind of refreshes them and then resells them to folks who really can't go out to the stores like a lot of us do and, and kind of buy clothes, you know, in the regular, off the regular racks, the regular stores, just because of where they are financially. And so Goodwill comes along and, and makes a provision for nice clothes for folks, and it also does it in a way that's kind of got a, a neat... Um, part to it where the people who are the persons who uh, refresh the clothes and who sell the clothes and who pack it are all uh, either disabled or have handicapped conditions in one way or another. And so it's a great ministry that uses clothes to live into compassion. So I want you to invite you to, to think about that. I want to invite you to think about Richardson. The school district has a clothes closet. And in that closed closet, it's run by the PTA. And with the PTA, uh, children who come to school, and if their teacher sees or a nurse sees or a counselor sees that, you know, they are in need of, of some wardrobe help, um, kind of refresh their clothes, that, that uh, the school makes that possible for them. And we can participate in that. And there's a collection center for that. And I'm sure they collect not only clothes. I know they collect clothes, but they also would collect funds as well. So it may be a matter of your closet. It may be a matter of your wallet. But I just want to invite you to think about that. I want to invite you to think about last winter when, um, when the first coal snap came through. We as a church were privileged to buy 50 coats for the little children over at Dobie Elementary. When I say little children, they are. They're only about this tall, <laughs> you know? And what happened was in that first cold snap, they got out of the car, and a lot of them got out of the car in T-shirts, and the principal asked the, the child, do you need a coat? You know, obviously, otherwise they wouldn't be getting out of the car in a T-shirt. And the, and the principal says, I've got a deal for you. I probably didn't say it that way. But, you know, here's the deal. We were able to provide 50 coats for children. And I've learned that just more recently we provided a whole bunch of underwear for kids over at Dobie. But you begin to see that what happens is that we can use 
this resource in our lives to begin to, to bless and benefit others in our lives. And if we really want to be bold about things, what I invite you to consider is to get on your computer, um, get on your iPad or your phone or whatever, and Google. Google about the clothing industry and its impact on third world countries. Because sometimes what happens is we worry, you know, we worry about the cost of clothes to us. And what we never think about is the cost of clothes to others. And I want to share with you, there is a cost to fashion, particularly fast fashion. And as you Google, you could Google the Triangle Shirtwaist Fire, which happened in the United States. And it happened in 1911. And it happened up in New York in, in the garment industry. And what that fire did was it kind of revolutionized uh, the labor laws in the United States. And you think, man, isn't it great that we've made a lot of progress in relation to labor considerations in regards to the garment industry? And then I want you to Google Rana Plaza. And Rana Plaza is in Bangladesh. And Rana Plaza is also about the garment industry. And in Rana Plaza, over a thousand people died. And that was in 2013. And so we began to see that as we think about our clothing, there is a, an element to it. And like I said, it's kind of, you're brave, you start going down that road. But what happens is there's a notion of social conscience in that. And that there are lines and there are manufacturers who, who produce clothing with a social conscience in mind. And so you can Google that too, and you begin to see kind of what lines are out there and what's possibility out there. But, but just begin to, to think about those things. And do it as part of your Lenten journey. You know, like we said in the first week, a Lenten journey is between you and God and then what you do with God. But it's part of the ways that we walk in the footsteps of Christ. One of the privileges that I have here at the church as the pastor is to greet the preschoolers as they come into the church. And, uh, you know, I, I love that. It's great. It, it happens about once a month. And so, you know, whenever that kind of comes along and I have that opportunity in my day, it just, it just brightens my day. And there was one particular day when there was one of our students, they were kind of come, they were trudging up the steps. You know, it's it early in the morning. They probably just got dragged out of bed. Breakfast kind of got, you know, shoved in their mouths. And they're, you know, come on along. And they're trudging up the steps. They're coming up the steps. They're coming up the steps. They had sneakers that sparkled, you know? I loved it. I said, man, that's so cool. So they, as they were coming in, I said, oh, you are so good looking, you know? I love those sneakers. They are so good looking. And when I, when I said that, it was so great. You know what happened with the, with, the, with the young child? Is all of a sudden there was this skip in their step. And, you know, they went from trudging along to skipping along, and it was kind of put like a little zippity-doo-dah in their day, you know? Here we go. I thought, that's a beautiful thing. You know, when you know you're good looking, what it does is it puts a skip in your step. And I want to tell you, friends, in God's sight, in God's sight, you are good looking. In God's sight, you are good looking because you have the image of the Creator in you. And what we're invited to do is to model that for the world. To model it in a way 
that it puts a skip in your step. And I want to tell you, friends, when you do it, it will put a little zippity doo dah in your day. <laughs> I just want to guarantee you that it will do that. Because I think Shakespeare was right. That clothes do make the man. That clothes do make the woman. That clothes do make the child. Clothe yourself in compassion and kindness and in humility and in meekness and in patience and in forgiveness and above all, in love. Because you see, it's about the image. It's all about the image.